Welcome to Growing Home, the podcast that helps you take care of the place that means the most to you, your home. I'm your host, Terry Therian, alongside your co-host, Len Giddix. So Len, we're back with another spring edition of the Growing Home podcast. Yes, we are. Right. And, you know, as you and I have been talking and as with a lot of our customers and many homeowners, you know, we're eager to get out there and put some time and effort into the landscape. Mm-hmm. But can you, you know, it's really important to the timing of stuff as the weather improves and the weather changes. You know, where do you see that we're at late April, early May? Like, what's that transition? What's that progression of the spring that we're at at that time? Right. Well, uh, in mid-April, we are all chomping at the bit to put something in the ground. Mm-hmm. And knowing that uh, May 15th is the last killing frost. It, it, it could happen, and it may not happen, okay? Yeah. And a lot of people hedge their bets with planting corn and whatever, and uh, you can do that, but you're also, uh, whatever you're planting is an investment. So to ask for tomato plants now... Unless they're protected from now until after May 15th, you're risking uh, buying tomato plants again. And many people do. Yep. You know? yep. And you can put the little little caps on them or they're, they're used, you could put protect them in the garden. But still, uh, something like a tomato or any of those summer warm loving plants won't grow won't the root system doesn't really grow until the soil's 50 to 55 degrees right so and so it's what 40 something right now maybe well we should be between 45 and 49 degrees um and that's off uh, cornell's website is that's where they expect us to be this time of the year i am seeing um that our soil's warming up a little bit faster than usual since we had you know the past few weeks of you know some warm weather but you know it could cool down again right well Um, that's what rectal thermometers are for we don't use them anymore so you stick them in the soil right <laughs> <laughs> or or just i guess that's just the uh any thermometer will the other name yeah, for yeah. a soil thermometer yeah. <laughs> multi-purpose but yeah we're and that's what we always tell people is that, you know as eager as we get and as anxious as we get about getting stuff out there and you know like this past weekend we had temps up in the 70s yeah. it's not yet safe and, and we're actually a ways away farmer's almanac says we yeah. should be expecting some colder weather at the end of the month right you know as much as i'm a fan i really hope that's not true right and you know how much in my lifetime there's been a couple of snowstorms pre may 15th significant snowstorms it may happen it may not happen but it's so especially nowadays it seems in the last 10 years the weather has become more variable that you can't predict it uh, I'd love to have my awning put up for Easter Sunday, but the company that puts up that awning won't do it. They've mm-hmm. got my awning for the winter storage, but they won't do it because they have a liability if they do. Yeah. They'll make me sign a, a waiver to say that if it snows and it comes down, they're not responsible. Well, same way with plants. Yep. Yeah. I mean, we're cautious at the stores. I mean, if you drive by, you see our shade structures out there, yeah. which uh, protect the plants from yep. getting you know, too much direct sun while they're not, as they're in pots and not sown yep. uh, into the soil. But, um, you know, right now, uh, our garden center staff, they've got about half of them up just in case something comes through and we have to take them all down. Right. Otherwise, they just become giant trampolines for the right. snow. 
right. So, well, you know, it, that's a good uh, a, a good guide. If the if your local garden center doesn't have it on display, you probably shouldn't go in and ask for it because, well, they don't make fun of you afterwards. But uh, you know, there'll be talk that this this person came in and asked for tomato plants, and it's uh, March the thirty first. Well. Maybe maybe it's legitimate and you want tomato plants so that you can put them in your cold frame or inside the house and grow them up. That's all doable. But if you can also start from seed to do that a couple of weeks before that, uh, that's what seed's for. You yeah. Know? And, yeah. But a, a garden center can't afford to bring in tomatoes that early because they'll die on the shelf, and that's an investment for them. Yeah, and... You- our idea is that when when we get the tomato plants, uh, you know, into the garden center, yep. we want them moved only once out there and ready for you to purchase. Right. And they're healthy plants, and you can take them home and be successful. Yeah. You know, when the plants do come in, and we've had last year actually we were really lucky. Last year, by the end of April, I don't think we saw a temperature or a frost during the month of May. I don't remember going through any of the covers, and we didn't even talk about it. We just said, all right, we don't we don't have to prepare tonight. We don't have to put anything away. And it was by the end of May, we looked back and said, oh, man, thank God we didn't have to do it. Because it's a ton of work. And we take all of that because we don't want any of the plants damaged. We want them to be looking their best so you can come in right. and, you know, see what you're getting. Yeah. Um, That's something the public doesn't see is uh, at uh, 4.30 when you're closing at 5, um, practically everybody's out covering plants on a risky evening. If it takes two hours to pack up and put away, yeah, um, it's all worth it because – even, even if the plant, like uh, even if plants are fine and some can handle the cold snap or or the frost, they're just not going to be looking as good. And we don't we don't want that to be part of our presentation. Well, that's part of the problem. Yeah. See, the public demands a perfect plant, just like they they they, they demand the perfect pepper or tomato in the produce section. Um, they they need a perfect plant, and who can blame them for you know yeah. for the money? You're only going to buy it once, hopefully, if you buy it at the right time and plant it at the in the right way. Right, uh, you should expect the best. And retailers go through a lot of uh, hoops to. Uh, yeah, and sure, our plants will probably them. never be perfect, but the way we look at it is, we want to do our best to make sure we give the best plant possible to the customer. Yep. and we always look back if you know. Things didn't work out because we misjudged something or didn't make the right call on the, on the type of plants we brought in, whatever it may be, and we weren't yeah. successful that year, then that's that. But if it was because we were lazy and we didn't take the put in the extra care, Shame we didn't put that you. extra effort, that's where that's where it doesn't sit well with us. Yeah. So you know we want those the plants to be in great shape when people come in and see our stock, and also that they're healthy and they're they're ready to go into the ground. And the same way with the, the growers that you buy your product from, the local growers. I mean, your plants aren't coming in from California, and they could very well have been grown in California or in the south and then brought up here early in spring. Uh, but it hasn't gone through a New England winter. The plants that are grown here have gone through a New England winter. And because the public demands a perfect plant, there's so much that goes in on the growing side to make that happen, including over the winter. Mm-hmm. Um, the local nurseries will protect those plants from high winds, high snow, because you get broken branches with a lot of snow. Sure. So to put a, uh, the, all the plants uh, one particular grower that I'm thinking of, all their plants, all their shrubs and perennials in hoop houses, and that protects them from those 
hazardous, hazardous winter conditions. I don't know how many times I can tell you that in the middle of uh, January, uh, the entire crew from the nursery has gone out and taken snow off the hoop houses because they were... We were afraid they were going to collapse from the weight of the snow. Oh man! Oh yeah! It was, it, and it was all hands on deck, really. That's how it is. Yeah. Yep. It. I mean, plants are they are they're laborious. I mean, you're. Are. Yeah, because it they don't stack, and you know they need to be fed every day, taken care of. Yeah. So, but and, and, rare, and rarely only to the 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 rare person. Let me let me put it this way: Do they say thank you? Oh yeah. <laughs> i'm still waiting for a few thank yous but yeah. well they start talking to you terry yeah. let me know yeah that. i will i i hope i get there soon <laughs> but cool so you know as we get into um or actually back let's let's finish our our discussion on the last frost date we do tell everybody you know the safe bet is memorial day yep. that's that's when we're free and clear because the average frost date average last frost date is may 15th Yes. So it could fall on either side of that. Last right. year we got lucky. Some years we haven't. Um, but if you are, you know, what you're putting out there, um, you know, if you're putting it in the soil, you think you have, you know, a good window, a good forecast ahead of you, and you need to get it in. Right. You know, we have other things in other careers that, you know, a lot of us are balancing yeah. while trying to maintain our gardens. Um, you know, just be prepared that, you know, come down to the store, get a harvest guard or some sort of cloth to cover it. We cover all of our plants, you know, if we see a temp below 40 degrees, you'll see us out there covering with a white cloth mm-hmm. um, to make sure everything's protected. In the last 115 years, there's only been one year in New England where it actually snowed both in July and, and, and June. And that one is when uh, the volcano uh, Krakatoa erupted the year before. Really? Yeah. And it was, it's called, and look it up, uh, the year without a summer Oh, man. Um, and many what? crops were destroyed, and in, in, in there were actually uh, uh, a, a little bit of a famine because uh, farmers couldn't feed their, their stock, and, and, and so they slaughtered them, and the pork was way down. And Do you remember what time frame this was? It was in, it was in 1815, 1816. Oh. That was a little over 100 years ago, right? Yeah. And uh, look it up. It's, it's so no, interesting. 18, 1916? 18. Oh, so 200 years ago. 200 years ago. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Krakatoa. Oh, man. Yeah. And, I mean, so it was something. And then there was, practic- there was frost practically through throughout New England all summer long because of the dust in, and, and, uh, in the atmosphere and keeping the temperatures down. Oh, man. I don't even want to jinx us on that. Cabbage, like, cabbage, don't worry. There's, I've checked. There's no volcanoes, no volcanoes. erupting. Okay. Not that big. Okay. Yeah, there could be a couple of small ones, but I wouldn't worry about them. Yeah. Yeah. I think, well, the last big one, or there's probably one after that, but the Icelandic volcano. In yeah. Europe. Well, that just stopped yeah. traffic, uh, airline traffic. That's all. Yeah. I mean, that, but like through all of, you know, Britain yeah. and that part of Europe it is a huge issue. And Heathrow is one of the busiest airports in the world. Sure. So crazy stuff. But anyway, no volcanoes on the horizon. No so volcanoes. Ho- right. So hopefully, uh, at least an average. Um, averagely mild spring ahead of us here. So in the garden center now, what, what kind of stock is available and what does that mean we should be planting it or where are we at? Yeah, well, it's uh, what, uh, mid-April right now? And, yeah, uh, and by the time this is out to everybody, it'll probably be the last week of April. Yes. So 
Uh, this is very typical that uh, the shrubs that can be planted are brought into a garden center. They may not be in flower. They may be in bud, um, which is good, which mm-hmm. is good because they'll flower in place in your yard if you pick them up, especially early. Many customers uh, actually walk through the garden center and see a plant and say, oh, that's beautiful. I, I have to have that plant. That's not the way to do it. You, you really need to have the spot. I mean, plants have, what do they have going for you? You have to put them in the right conditions. Otherwise, they're not going to thrive. They're going to suffer. They're going to die. You're going to curse them. You're going to spend a lot of money on pesticides. And and, and then 10 years later, it'll probably die. If you take a rhododendron right now and put it in a soggy soil, you're dead. It's going to become disease. I can guarantee it. Yeah. But if you have the right spot with good drainage and, 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 and moderate sun, but not total sun, um, it'll do very well. Plant it too close to the house. Uh, it'll, it looks great now, but uh, you know, in five years, you're going to be ripping that out because it's bumping against the house or under the eaves. You know, it'll reach the eaves if it's a tall plant. Planting it under the windows um, is another thing. You don't want a seven-foot plant planted in front of a picture window because in five years it's going to be yeah. right in the middle of that picture window and the window wins right <laughs> so it's important <laughs> that's right so it's important to have the spot ready so come out early pick the plant that you want there's a good selection early um before the flo- it actually flowers um and you know you can go to any number of sites to, uh, or actually the staff at a garden center, a good garden center like Mackey's, will uh, be able to help you pick out the right plant for the right place. Hmm. But you should have the right place involved. And, and what, they, what they're going to ask you is, is uh, what kind of sun does it get? Does sun or shade? What kind of soil conditions are they? Is it soggy or is it well-drained? If it's close to the house, there's usually been backfilled there, so it's usually sand and well-drained. <clears throat> That's why you see a lot of rhododendrons around houses. Right around the house, yeah. yeah. Um, and, and, you know, a rhododendron is not a rhododendron. There's small rhododendrons, there's eucusianum rhododendrons, and there's a large rhododendron. So they'll get to be 10 feet if you want them. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's the... The place is important. The drainage is important. And they'll also ask you, is it on the west, south, east, or north side of the house? Yeah, I was going to ask you then. So when, like, you know, we're in the garden center and we ask, you, you know, a customer that's in there, is it is it mostly sit, mostly shade, mostly sun? Like, where does that fall? Like, how do I, you know, objectively claim that my, um, the, gar- the bed that I'm planting in mm-hmm. is mostly mostly shade, mostly sun. How many hours are we talking about? If it's six hours or more of sun, that's certainly a sunny location. Okay. If it's four hours to six hours, that's partial sun. And if it's less than four hours, like on the north side, very shaded, uh, that would be a shaded area gotcha. or under a tree. And does what about you know we're talking you know east and west side of the house? Mm-hmm. Is there should you be putting more shady stuff on the west side because it's not getting that morning sun, or is it the opposite? Depends on what you have growing around there. You may have uh, some very high trees that never gets that late afternoon sun. Yeah. Only gets the midday sun. So it depends on that situation. And remember, you may be looking at it right now, and there's no leaves on the trees, and you say, oh, it's sunny. But uh, yeah. in, the, in, in the summertime, when it really counts, 
that's going to be shaded. On the east side is usually uh, the sun. The sunlight is not as intense, and uh, it, it's a it's it's a wonderful place for certain plants that just like that like to wake up in the morning and be bathed in sun, but don't like to sit out there in the afternoon. And I'll tell you. I mean, oh, yeah. Uh, well. well. Not me yet. Not, not you not yet. yet. I'm picking up, uh, learning the language. There you go. Cool. So we've got, you know, trees and shrubs out there. Some perennials are in at the time, the hardier perennials. Yep. And then, you know, even there's some trees and shrubs that come later. Oh, definitely. Because... One, they're not going to do anything. Those those shrubs are usually later come later in the year because one, you don't have room in your garden center for all of this. We do have some like Rose of Sharon, which will flower late in the year. Yep, uh, that have been overwintered. They're perfectly healthy right now, and they're at last year's prices too. Yeah, you know? <laughs> but uh, so I mean those those are deals. And and go ahead and ask for them if you don't see a plant that you want a rose of sharon ask for it but it'll be coming in uh, mm-hmm. but uh, again the philosophy of garden centers as a rule local garden centers local uh, excuse me local growers and wholesalers that sell to retail garden centers and this is only local the guys down in virginia and california want to ship it all at once because the, the the cost of shipping right but if it's a local person they want to get those plants there just before they're they're ready to plant. I mm-hmm. mean, it, and that way you have room. They're fresh plants. Uh, they've been tended to at the at the growing site, and uh, it's a great advantage, a great advantage to the customer to buy uh, those local plants. So, you know, most of the time, uh, for instance, roses. Roses you shouldn't see around here before Mother's Day unless they come in a package and they're you know bare root. Yeah, usually. Sometimes they arrive the day before Mother's or the day uh, Friday of Mother's Day weekend. Yeah, yeah, that's we hope to have them in before then because we know yeah. a lot of people like to gift them. Yep. Um, and but if the weather's not cooperating last year, even though we didn't have frost threats, it was not a very cooperative year for warmer temps before Mother's Day. Correct. Yeah, and uh, uh, the same way with lilacs. Lilacs will uh, start becoming available now. Mm-hmm. And of course, the farther south that you go, the the the, whole, the wholesale grower, for instance, in our area, just released lilacs um, south of New York. Okay, but hold off a couple of weeks until to go Connecticut and north. Okay, because they know that uh, it's it's warmer in the south and probably stay warmer in the south. Right. You know? Okay, so you can start them earlier. Yep. Up here, it's. It's a crapshoot, really. <laughs> yeah. New England weather is, is is not predictable. Oh yeah, absolutely. And like you, know, they're what they're on average about five to ten degrees warmer soil temp wise yeah. than we are right now. Well, they're zone six anyway, and then seven. Long Island is zone six. Cape Cod is long se- uh, is seven. Uh, heaven only knows why that happened, but uh, New Jersey is seven. Maryland's eight. Yeah, just warmer. Yeah, or even when we're talking within Connecticut, we have you know multiple zones in the valley, the Connecticut River That's Valley. Right. You're wit- yeah. you're witnessing that right now with your Forsythia, aren't you? Yeah, Forsythia, all up and down, you know, in the Hartford, Farmington, West Hartford area, um, all along 84. If you're traveling through, if you're from Eastern Connecticut and you're traveling through Hartford, and you see, when you start seeing the Forsythia, you know you have like a two week heads up on it's coming. That's right. 
so we're, I think we're playing the advantage. Yeah, well, that's why the local taxes are so high in the in the valley <laughs> because you get that advantage because you get the gro- a longer growing season. That's correct. Oh man, yeah. Hopefully, you can maximize that. <laughs> cool. So, uh, and the, so the annuals that are coming into you know the pretty flowers that we've got in. I mean, pansies full strike this year. Yeah, and and, and those can be planted now because they're out on your shelves. Yeah, and we do. We actually have our early pansies that come in are awesome. We've had same grower for years, and they're grown in cold houses. Mm-hmm. We think they can take a full snowfall. Yeah, and uh, that's important. The way it's grown uh, is 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 the key to success. If you had a you, sure, you can put a pansy out in March and have it in full bloom, but you know what? It's not going to last when it gets out into the wild. No, no. Um, but they can handle hard frost, and, yeah. and you always look when you see a. Uh, you know the pansy with those those darkened leaves. It's like a war wound, but they're tough as heck. Yeah. So yeah. Well, I want you to know that I bought a couple of flats of pansies. Okay. And uh, they're doing very well over in Hebron. Good. Yeah. Good. Yeah. A minor um, right now. There's a little bit. The the neighborhood rabbits are really enjoying the pansies. So, you know, they're not so much in the. I should have planted them in the backyard where we have it at least fenced in, and it cuts down on the rabbit traffic. But yeah. in the front yard, uh, it's you got to put it in a container that's a little bit higher than a rabbit. Yeah. Reach. Oh, the container pansies are great. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. The the ones around the light pole. Uh, yeah, it's a fiesta out there. So, cool. So, why don't we go into now? We're going out there, seeing the plants come in. This, I kind of think of it as the bloom rotation. Yeah. This, this stuff's coming into bloom, and uh, you know the seasonal plants are out there. Let's go through. Like, how do we go through planting these and preparing them? Okay. Well, let's start off with the annuals, sure. the six-pack, which is very common, right? Yep. And those will be available as we're recording mid-April, uh, another couple of weeks, three weeks or so. The, you'll have the six-packs out there. Yep. And uh, the first rule is five fingers and a thumb. Remember that, Terry. Five fingers and a thumb. Now, I don't know whether what came first, the five fingers and a thumb that God made or the six-pack that man made. But I suspect it's the God-made five fingers and a thumb because a six pack when you tip it upside down fits perfectly between the, the there's three rows right of of two annuals each right and they'll fit perfectly between your fingers plus you'll have fingers on the outside to actually uh, support things so it, it fits into your hand okay and five fingers and a thumb remember that tip it upside down put it between your fingers the rows in between your fingers so the plants are hanging down and then, so you actually have the stems of the annuals between your fingers. Yes. Got but, it. But it's palm up, remember. Palm up. Palm up. Got yeah. it. Okay. It's st- more stable that way. So you're going you're gonna to say, oh, there's roots coming through the bottom. That's, that's normal. So you pinch off those roots. Pinch them off. It's, it, it, it's a benefit. It's not, this is after removing the plastic, not— Well, no, we're not there oh, yet. Oh, plastic's Because still if on. you don't remove those roots, the plastic's going to be more difficult to come out because you have to slide the plastic through those holes in the bottom. Gotcha. Okay, and that's where the roots are coming yeah. out. So you want to pinch those roots off. Yep. And then you want to squeeze each cell on both sides. Just squeeze it, squeeze it, squeeze it. And uh, normally you can pick that right up. If it's not too dry, you'll be able to pick that six-pack container right up and have those plants sitting in your hand upside down okay mm-hmm. now you'll notice that on each one of those cells in most cases there's going to be a real white 
well-rooted bottom, maybe an inch or so, right? Yeah, yeah. So you, at this point, you can you can take them out of your hand now and work them individually because sometimes the cells grow together and you can split them apart. Don't be afraid. It's you're not gonna you're not gonna ruin or harm the plant. You can actually do it good because those those roots have been used to growing in that cell and they've congregated on the bottom. So you're gonna take that and rip the first three quarters of an inch so off. no harm to the plant ripping those roots no 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 plant will be harmed in this operation okay okay <laughs> <laughs> disclaimer actually they no will plant was yeah. har- plant was harmed in the process yeah, no no they, you won't hear them uh, well some of us might hear them go ah but most of us don't just rip them off rip that bottom off and you can take that and put it in, in, in the container that's soil that's nutrition put it put it in the container bury it somewhere yes and then dig a hole that's, you know, you can do it with your fingers in most cases if you're planting in a, in a bed or a pot. Yeah. Plop that plug in there as, as high or maybe a little bit higher than the original soil line. Mm-hmm. Tamp it down. And then water. Don't fertilize. So many people fertilize right off the get-go. You don't want to fertilize right off the get. If you want, go ahead and, and, and after you're done planting, maybe a week later, go ahead and top dress it with a, I'm going to recommend an organic fertilizer. There was the tr- leapfrog, tree frog is a good one. A spoonless. Oh, happy frog. Happy frog. I yeah. love happy frog. Yes. Yep. Um, it's completely organic. Um, uh, if you took a bag of happy frog and poured it on your lawn or on your flower, it would never burn it. Mm-hmm. It's that it's just naturally time released. Plus the fact that if you to the right person, remember an organic landscape is worth more money in the long run, especially nowadays when you go to resell your house. Think of that. Five years. That's all you need. Five years of organic care. Of just organic. Just organic. You got to be good. And and boy, we're going to do a podcast sometime, but it's just a different thinking. It's not harder. It's easier in many cases. Well, I, you know what I think, it, and even like a lot of our lawn care discussions are yeah. are getting in the more organic side, and I think what it comes down to is Mother Nature is a very, very, she's very powerful. Yes. And more so taking the approach of enabling her to mm-hmm. do her work better. That's you know, we'll get into lawns and stuff later, but, mm-hmm. you know, amending the soil, making sure there's a great soil. And that's what a lot of our composts are trying to achieve when we go to plant and put some compost down with it is just getting that, you know, microbial activity in the soil going, you know, vigorously producing all the micronutrients available mm-hmm. for our plants. And that is so much more powerful than anything we can add. And, you know, we can supplement there's definitely the fertilizer is going to help it. There's going to help it bloom. It's going to help produce those flowers, yeah. but on a whole, a healthy soil is going to be a greater sense of success for you. Mm-hmm. Well, look at the forest nature has provided. And if you take, if you go out next time you take a hike, go out and, and just take a handful of forest soil and smell it. You're going to smell the, the organisms that it's a living soil and you're going to smell the difference. You do that to your lawn and you won't dig up some soil in your lawn. You won't smell that unless you've done it organically for a long, long time. Yeah. And, and take care of the soil. And so. Take care of this. Take care of the soil. will take care of you. But so top dress, you know, or, or a week later, or you can, you know, a fish emulsion is a good, uh, watering agent to dilute for, a fish emulsion so you should water the plants in so that the, the air spaces between the roots are gone uh there needs to be contact there uh but uh no no need to fertilize right away 
Gotcha, gotcha. So just let them get in there and let those roots get yeah, established. Yeah, get them st- established because that's uh, they're not going to do their job. The fertilizer is not going to get to the roots until the roots are established. That is an excellent point. Uh-huh. There we go. Cool. So now let's get into the larger stuff, the shrubs and trees and planting those. You know, let's say we've, we've done our work early in the spring, cleared out an area, and we know what the sun exposure is. That's right. We know what the sun exposure yep. is. We know what the soil conditions are, and we know what side of the house it's on. Okay, so we're not going to put a rose on the north side of the house because that's the shady side of the house. A rose needs 48 hours of sun a day. 48 hours. 48 hours of sun a day. It'll it'll survive with 24, and maybe it'll do okay with 12. Okay. But if you could keep the sun on it all day and night long, it wouldn't be bad for 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 something like a rose okay now um a rhododendron on the other hand no that needs a little shade yeah or prefers a little shade it'll be happier well you'll know that you know you don't know that now but when a plant is happy or unhappy and how you tell that but you will as you yeah right now i just look for you know the physical signs we haven't we're not on a uh a talking basis as of yet but you know, hopefully in my later years and, uh, and the more wisdom I achieve. There. You'll be there and people will think you're nuts too. Yeah. Anyway, uh, so, okay, smaller smaller plants and shrubs, like a one-gallon shrub or a two-gallon shrub. Even. Sure. If you're, if, you know, I can handle a two-gallon shrub. Yeah. It's the five fingers and a thumb rule. Again, you can tip it upside down if it's not too heavy and put the stem or stems in between your fingers mm-hmm. and then tap on the on the, on around the uh, uh, plastic container most time it's plastic if it's clay don't do that because are not too hard because it'll break but most of the time it's not clay from a from a garden center and it that should just lift right off the soil yeah okay if it's too big if there's a bigger size like a three gallon or a five gallon well then you can pick up the plant by the stem or stems at the soil line and then tap it with a trowel uh, for example uh, or some metal object and it'll pop right off most cases if it's really root bound it means that means there's the root it's it's an older plant and the the roots have really grown through grown through the bottom it may take a little bit more effort so anyway, uh, tap the container. You've got the, the, the plastic container off. Uh, the next thing you want to do is to take a knife and actually sc- score uh, or cut the, around the whole root ball, uh, cut the roots uh, maybe a half an inch in. This is going to stimulate root growth. It's not going to hurt the plant. It's going to benefit the plant. Uh, because these roots have been growing in that pot for a while, and just like anybody who's been sitting in a chair for a while, they need to stretch, okay? But if you're a root, it's difficult to get out of that chair position, okay? Uh, so what you need to do is to cut the cord, cut the root, and let them regrow. They're very vibrant. You're not going to hurt the plant, and you're actually going to benefit the plant. And then with shrubs uh, and trees... Uh, well, trees are a little bit different. We'll 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 get to those specifics in a minute. In a minute, but with shrubs, you want to plant and trees. You want to dig a hole that's twice as big as the pot. Mm-hmm. Okay, and as deep as the as deep as the pot is long, and so that when you put the plant ball in, uh, the the new soil level will be at the same level as the shrub or tree. You don't want to get it ab- above that level because um, it will tend the soil, the new soil, if it's above 
the stem. If it creeps up on the stem, it will tend to rot. And in 10 years, your your shrub may not survive. Gotcha. So best planting scenario, we have twice as wide, but keeping the same height above the soil as when it's in the pot. Exactly. So just matching that. And the reason for twice as wide is because the the soil in the pot and the soil, the original soil, are so much different as far as uh, density is concerned. Yep. So you want this buffer uh, of uh, several inches for the roots to grow out into um, and then into the to the native soil, the, the final soil. Gotcha. So it's, it's giving them a chance to, to have a little leeway there gotcha because the soil we've, we've dug out and then our, yeah it's the same then, soil the compost fine. we're adding back in you can put compost in there but no more yeah. than you know i i always put a little compost in there because yeah. i think that that that's a beneficial to the root growth yeah oh i mean the compost is great just because you're you're adding nutrients but mm-hmm. even then it's 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 been composted yeah. and that's a we'll call it a lively soil yeah and you're adding that and it's it's like bringing more friends to the party, right? And yeah. you know, you're you're like just like a healthy lawn. The healthier your soil is for your plant, and the more yeah. natural activity you can get in there. Yeah. And you know that compost is going to feed and almost get what what becomes stagnant in your your existing soil. Bring that back to life too. Exactly. Well, remember what compost is. Compost is composted plant material, right? Yeah. So it's got every nutrient that a plant needs because it came from a plant body okay and it is uh, in the right proportion and so you're not going to be too strong as far the nutrients aren't going to be too strong they're they're going to be just right timed right released right oh yeah it's it and plus they're gonna you're going to uh provide some bacteria and fungi in there that the plant is going to need the good stuff it's the good stuff it's the living soil (sighs) yeah anyway so uh with plants and especially trees, what you should do is go ahead with a little bit of soil that's left to make a, a little dike around the soil, um, maybe a, a little bit further out than, the, let's say the hole was two feet wide yep. um, you, or a foot and a half. You want to go about three more inches out and then make this little dike on the surface. The reason for that is that you want to water in that area. You don't want it to run off. So in it happens so much in the root zone, right? Yeah. Because we're going to water deep. We're going to not just sprinkle it. And, you know, that does nothing. You're going to let it soak in and you're going to put some more in. And that dike will help save water from running off. And then I would, uh, I like to mulch, uh, whether they're comp- more compost or, or a mulch to match the bed. Yeah. Um, sometimes if you saved it when you pushed the, you, ha- you were already mulched and you pushed this yeah. to the aside, yeah. you know, uh, that works too. But uh, you're, you're going to want to water that, not fertilize. You want to water it, uh, you know, a couple times, maybe a couple times a week. Depending. If it rains, don't bother watering it. Yeah. But after a couple of weeks, you know, those roots should begin to become established enough where you don't need to water it, unless it's extremely dry. Yeah, so a couple of weeks, we've got our roots established. And, yeah. and we talked about we need those roots established yeah. in order to absorb the fertilizer. We don't want to waste any fertilizer. That's right. You know, I mean, no need to. And if you want top dressed, you don't have to dig anything. Yeah. In. And or, so as far as mulching, you talked about you know keeping the soil line the same. Like, how much mulch should we, like, how many inches are we? Are, doesn't matter because when we mulch, yeah, always, always, here's another rule of thumb. 
vol- make volcano make uh, donuts, not volcanoes. Donuts, not volcanoes. When you, in other words, when you mulch, you don't want to make a volcano around the stem of the tree or plant, mounting up against. Yeah, because okay. it's going to do the same thing as if you buried that too deep into the soil. It's going to rot, and in about ten years, it's going to go away. Gotcha. Um, We're really hating on volcanoes today. Oh yeah, it's the volcano yeah, season. You uh, know, volcano season. <laughs> Anti volcanoes coming out of here. No volcanoes. <laughs> I think it's on the door. Yeah. Anyway, uh, instead, you want to make a donut around that uh, uh, stem or stems. Yeah. Uh, so that uh, that doesn't happen. Also, it's going to prevent, particularly voles, from chewing on the bark at the, at the, the soil. The vegetation like, eaters. Yeah. So because they. They're more exposed, and they don't like to be exposed rather than the volcano. Where uh, they can, then otherwise, we're just, we're just protecting them while they feed away, huh? Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, good. So and that's actually, that's a good one. We probably won't get into much in this episode, but voles, V for vegetation eater, moles, M for meat eater. The moles are going after the insects I and never worms. thought of it that way. That's wonderful. No? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we're going to have to do a, a special on, yeah, on, on moles and voles and other critters. On the critter critters. And, and plenty of natural ways to treat them, and, and you can use this preventive, preventive in the yard. But, yeah, it's it's now season to protect all your plants, and yeah. um, whether it's from the rabbits or the well, moles. I, we should do that next, maybe. I, I think that's a good idea. We'll, we'll get some experts in here. So trees is basically the same as far as depth and how you would plant it. Uh, now, most container trees are no more than 15 gallon, which is a hefty piece of soil. And it's going to be heavy. And, yeah, yeah. You know, if you're an old guy like me, you may not may want to get your son or the next door neighbor to, to pick it up and help you with it. But it's the same deal. Scour the roots. You're not going to do the five fingers and a thumb rule, certainly with a tree. Always uh, plant it at the same level that it was in the container. You gotta make the dike. It's even more important with trees to conserve the water and mulch is good. Mm-hmm. Again, don't even think about fertilizing. We fertilize way too much in this country because of the commercials that we see on television. Most of us learn practically all of our gardening gardening skills as a as a novice gardener through television commercials. Yeah, what's well, the point of this podcast, right? That we can talk about this stuff more in depth. I Instead hope of, so. I hope I'm not yeah. just talking here. here no, no, I, I think. Yeah, uh, you know this is. We want people to go home and be successful. We don't want them to waste anything. Right. The more successful they are, right. hopefully, the more successful exactly. we become. Exactly. So, and uh, let me see if there's anything else. Uh, oh, sometimes with a tree, if it's very old, you're going to see some roots, especially along the surface, just wrapping around the stem. You want to cut those off. That's called girdling, and it can, in another ten years or so, when the tree is. When the fruit tree is just laden with apples or peaches or whatever, and it's a beautiful maple tree or something like that, it could end up choking off the uh, the tree. That happens sometimes with uh, lilacs also, very common with lilacs. So you want to cut those off. Really? Uh, yeah. And don't, don't be afraid to cut anything that's wrapping around the, the stem just below the soil line. Okay. Yeah, so just make sure, you know, you, you're looking at the... The root ball that you take out of the, the yep. pot and that all the roots are kind of trimmed up and, and yeah, yeah, I regrow. Mean, feel free to cut them. Um, yeah. I mean, don't cut them back a whole lot, but yeah. you can snip off the ends. But you're going to score them anyway. It's, it's the easiest way. Gotcha. And when you score them, you're going to keep them from growing around. So you're going to keep that girdling uh, syndrome from happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Cool. So then 
you know, we get into, you know, we talked about the large stuff and the annuals. Yeah. Anything we should be considered, you know, considering for the perennials and getting our perennial beds going? Yeah, perennials are just a little different. They're a lot easier to handle, of course, because most of the time they're in a one or even the tops two-gallon container, maybe a four-inch. Yeah. Uh, five fingers and a thumb. Okay, put those stems, put that plant in between the middle finger and the ring finger. Mm-hmm. It nestles nicely on you. Tap it with a, a trowel, pick off the plastic container, go ahead and scour the roots. And then with perennials, it's all, I feel, uh, there's only a couple of cases where you should never plant them a little deeper than normal. Uh, most perennials, I, I like to plant a half an inch deeper than they are in the pot. Okay. It gives them a little bit more uh, support, okay. and uh, they can take it. Things like iris. I mean, the iris is out now on the shelf. It's yeah. perfectly plantable. Yep. You don't want to cover those rhizomes. Uh, they love to be exposed, especially the German iris uh, loves to have its rhizomes exposed. I don't know whether it's an exhibitionist or what, but it likes to have them exposed. <laughs> You know, so iris, we, we won't plant deeper, but for most perennials, we should be yeah, planting for gen- about general rule. Deeper. Yeah, general okay. rule. If it's exposed in the pot, and if you go over to your irises in the pot, you'll yeah. see that there's a little bit of rhizome uh, exposed. Yeah, then you should you should uh, plant it with the so that the, the the rhizome is exposed in the new bed. Cool. So I mean, that's still, that's the only exception to the rule. Most okay. Of the Great. And then, you know, the other thing is, what about timing for stuff coming from bulbs and seed? Is it is it too early to be planting spring bulbs? Uh, Mid-April, yeah. Uh, but uh, the May 15th to Labor Day rule rules here, um, especially with things like dahlias, which are a little bit more prim and proper. They're a yeah. little bit more finicky. I, there's no, no reason why you should plant them early and tr- take that risk because, you know, you've, 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 if you don't, if you buy the bulbs, they're you know they're not a dime a dozen. I mean, to get some nice dahlias, to get some nice gladiolus, uh, you're going to pay some money. Or you've harvested them because they are um, not hardy in this area. You need to dig those up and right. then store them in a plastic uh, paper bag somewhere in over your, the winter. Over the winter, yep. And so you spent a lot of time and money and and and, and uh, you know sealing space, preserving those. Right. So. You know, the, they're great in that you can pick the spot, put them in. They're easy uh, if you treat them properly. But go ahead and if you're new at it, read the package directions because every bulb goes a little deeper or shallower depending on the size of the bulb because of the plant. If you're planting from a overwintered bulb that you overwintered yourself, you already know how deep it's supposed to be. So right. the, the, that's, you know, a little bit deeper is better probably than a little shallow. Gotcha. So for the summer and fall bulbs are blooming, period, time-wise. We should be waiting until after that, May, May 15th. Oh, yeah. The, 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 there's not, not much that's going to flower before yeah. Memorial Day on the summer bulbs. The lilies, the oriental lilies, the dahlias will be midsummer. The uh, gladiolas will be in the fall. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's what we're talking about. We're not talking about tulips or daffodils. You'll no. plant those in the fall. Yeah, and in case you forgot, we do have sprouted bulbs. That, yes. Those are a savior, right? Because I... There is. Yeah, and, it comes early April, and you see the tulips out, yeah. and I should have done that in the fall. Yeah. So we have a little a little saving grace. Well, that's you. a nice service to make us feel smarter. Yeah. And then you can just tell everybody you did all the work in the fall. That's right. Yeah. So it looks good. Have them out for Easter. 
<laughs> so, and then, you know, we're getting into... Well, also, I want to add one more sure, thing. When sure. you do plant those bulbs, you may want to add a little bit of bone meal Why to that? the soil around there. Bone meal will not only uh, preserve the... add nutrition to the soil, but it will also uh, help the plant to grow. And it will uh, produce a lot of babies. It'll tend to produce more babies, which you can use to propagate that plant in the, in, in the next year. Good. Yeah. More more baby bulbs. More baby bulbs. Yes. Nice. Bone meal, you know, strengthens and toughens up the bulb. Nice. So it doesn't get mushy. Yeah. 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 Nothing like a mushy bulb. You don't want mushy bulbs. No, no mushy bulbs. Mm-hmm. Cool. Um, also, I've heard a lot of people put also oyster shells around them, but more so as a Varmint protector. Yeah. Voles, voles again, vegetables and voles, they don't like, they are prima donnas when it comes to getting cut. Yes. So those nice oyster shells, uh, and even, well, we don't want to use broken glass because we could get hurt on that, but trap rock also works with, has a nice sharp uh, stone. It makes them a little raw on the nose. Yes, it does. Yeah. Yeah. So to to completely surround that bulb with this stuff uh, is is a good idea if you have voles. Yeah, and actually the oyster shells, if you look down the poultry section, a lot of people give them to their chickens to help with the calcium for the egg production. I do, yeah. So you can use the same thing uh, when putting them in your garden. Uh, There's little, I think like two or five pound bags. What should we be getting ready to, if we haven't started inside from seed, what are some things we can start in the progression we can get into of sowing directly into the soil? Okay. Um, uh, Let's talk about veggies first because that is more popular and probably a little bit more common than than flower seed right now annual flower seed um i planted my uh spinach i planted my lettuce i planted my peas do some coal crops if you'd like cabbage and bok choy directly into the soil directly i do it directly in the soil with the peas uh, i just soak them for overnight Mm-hmm. in water and then put them directly into the soil with spinach and uh, lettuce well i'll put a few uh, seeds and i do them in con- my, my entire garden is in containers and we'll have to talk about uh, the way uh, i garden <laughs> later on <laughs> and another, another two or three years or something like that yeah but um yeah just put a few seeds in, and then you're going to uh, thin them out later on. Plan on thinning them out to, you know, six inches apart. Anyway, six to eight inches apart. Um, let me see. Otherwise, you need to wait. Tomatoes, peppers, eggplant, those, anything that will list on the package, ninety days or more. You yeah. Don't wanna, you you don't want to put those in. You want, radishes now is a perfect time. Uh, it's they're twenty one days. Uh, so in another less than a month, I'll have radishes. Um, so if something is 25 to 45 or 50 days tops, you can put that in right now. Okay. Yeah. Anything uh, close to 90, um, you need to buy plants for. Anything over 120, eh, forget about it. <laughs> no, I mean, you can grow those, but ex- don't expect to harvest until later on. Things like squash, pumpkins, uh you want to put in definitely Labor Day or even later. Memorial Day. Memorial Day. Excuse yep. me. Did I say Labor Day? You did say Labor oh, Day. I'm sorry. You're, jump, you're skipping the whole summer here. I know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, Memorial Day. 
um, is plenty of time. And even with uh, things like squash, June into June, well into June is good because the stem borers, uh, the squash borers, um, will um, their season will pass so that your vines won't be affected. So if you have borer problems in the past, yeah, yeah. one of the ways of doing that is to plant later. And there's plenty of time, especially with like things like zucchini or whatever. And, and plant how late? What it? Up to the 4th of July, really. Oh, great. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, if you, you can put a lot of those in at the 4th of July because the, the growth is going to be stimulated by the warm weather. They, they love that sort of stuff. Yep. Um, well, I don't know if everybody can hear that. Is that a volcano? Yeah, that might be a volcano erupting, or I think it's uh, the local power center testing out their uh, new skag mowers. Oh, okay. Uh, which are very impressive. I know. That, that is something. Uh, however, not too great for uh, recording. our recording studio here. But Though I pay no attention anyway, to that roar. I guess that's just the sound of spring, right? <laughs> yes, it is. Yeah, we're, we're out there, and everybody's ready to go. So I don't know. Maybe it's picking up. Maybe it's not. <laughs> cool. So, you know... And flowers, uh, yeah. like, uh, flowers, you know, with the exception, flower seed, with the exception of the wild uh, flowers, the hummingbird mixes, the wildflower mixes, I feel it's best to buy six packs like of marigolds and, and any other bedding flowering plant because you have, you have a lot of control over it. In places where you want a nice meadowy look, uh, well, then go ahead and scatter those seeds hither and yon because that's the way it's supposed to be. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, wildflowers are awesome. You can get mixes with a, with a varieties that are desirable for the hummingbirds, for the butterflies, yep. um, and all other pollinators. So I think it's a great thing to put out there. If it's an area you don't care if it's grass, if you, don't, you want low maintenance, put the wildflowers in there. You're going to enjoy it a lot more. Mm-hmm. And do a little, maybe even attract some pollinators to your yard to help the garden. Oh, yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's always a great thing to do in a spot that you, you know, would normally grow weeds. Well, let's grow a meadow, you know? Yeah. Sounds cooler, too. Oh, yeah. I have a a meadow. I have a meadow. Out in the meadow. Cool. So, you know, speaking of seeds, grass seed. Grass seed, yeah. So now we are another... Thing. it's it's all about that soil temp um yeah. so when usually we have your your lawns out there it, right now it's starting to when that forsythia starts blooming it's starting to green up and, and come to life you're, you're not quite ready to mow but this is the year right that you're going to turn it into right the ultimate turf this is and it could be you that does this definitely right right it's very doable it's i think the biggest thing with lawn care is just the consistency and more of the long-term approach Right. You, I mean, going to the gym, you're not going to get biceps by going in there once or twice. Yeah. You know, you have to do it consistency, consistently over a period of time. And it's a little bit more work to start. Yeah. But then when you get into maintenance mode, it'll maintain itself. And, and you want to keep up with it. You want to keep up with it. Because right. if you don't, then the less desirable stuff will come in there. And, and you're just, you want to help the desirable stuff continue to thrive and outcompete. Right. I think you just hit it right it's on the competition. head. Yeah. yeah, it's a competition out there. That's right. Um, so but you're, you're making it look the way you want. Yeah. You gotta you gotta let Mother Nature do her thing, and then make it so on those plants that you want enable them to to beat out the weeds and stuff. That's right, because the weeds are there. You know, they're just lurking. They're waiting for you to make a mistake and be lazy. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. But spring, 
spring, uh, there's two seasons to plant grass because the grass seed that we plant up here in New England, except for zoysia grass, which is now you can see that very easily because it's the 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 beige lawns that are out there. That is a Florida zoysia grass. It, it is it's like a bright. It, it is oh, yeah. a full zoysia grass lawn. Yeah. It it it's like someone went over it with a highlighter. Yep. They, they just stand out. They do, um, and it's the mixed ones that really look ugly. And the fact is, the zoysia grass, which I would never recommend. Uh, I, I think mean, it's illegal people... to buy, right? Huh? I don't. I don't think you can buy it anymore. At one time, you could. It was yeah. in every magazine. Yeah. 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 Yep. Well, it's going to creep into your neighbor's yard. It is a creeper. It's a creeper. Yeah. Yep. And. Uh, you know, in the middle of summer, because it's a hot weather uh, grass, it could be drought season. It'll be green as anything, but you know, eight nine months out of the year, it's just this sickening beige. So it's... yeah, a very very bright beige. <laughs> anyway, so yeah. most of the good grasses that we plant here are cold weather grasses. They don't like the hot weather because okay, you know, if if we have a hot dry summer and we don't water or irrigate, guess what? Or or let me let me take that back. I never irrigate, but my grass is always growing, uh, always green because I have living soil. I have a lot of compost in there over the years, and uh, there's only one section over the leach field that really dries out, and I'm working on that diligently to keep that alive and vibrant. But the rest of it works very well. So if if you have the right conditions, the right soil conditions, and the right seed, the right plants there, um, and I'm talking about Jonathan Green's uh, Black Beauty, or is it Black Beauty Plus now? Or Ultra. Ultra, Ultra. excuse me. Yeah. yeah. So so the Black Beauty is, they're referring to their line of fescues that yeah. they developed. Um, and, and actually, if anybody's interested, definitely shoot back to our second episode with uh, Barry Green, the owner of Jonathan Green, and he tells the whole story of how they developed it. It's it's, just, it's impressive, and it really is a standout, innovative grass seed breed. It is. And the, the roots on that system go down up to four feet, I understand. It's hard to believe, but they're much deeper, and there's a lot of other advantages to it that that never you'll never see, but you'll, you'll really appreciate. Uh, anyway... That's expensive seed, and you don't want to put that in in spring. You'd rather put that in fall. At least that's my my. You'll be most successful. To be most successful. Yeah. yeah. It's not that you can't put it in, but guess what? We have warm weather coming in, and if the grass isn't established, if the roots haven't gone down far enough, that dry weather in summer is going to, um, you know, keep those from thriving. Right. And we're, I mean, both both seasons were hit in a window, um, just like. Yeah. Our vegetable seeds that we start indoors and put yeah. on heat mats to get that soil up to yeah. 75, 80 degrees to germinate. Same thing with the grass seed. It needs to be a minimum of 60 degrees for that grass seed to germinate. And if you put it out early, it'll sit there or it might get washed away, picked by the birds. You're just, you know, mm-hmm. taking the seed and leaving it out to the elements for a little while. Mm-hmm. But if you wait until you hit that 60, 65 degree mark, then you're really it's going to be out there and it'll start germinating faster and spend less time sitting there on the exactly. soil dormant. So if you want to fill in uh, maybe a, a thin lawn or cover up some uh, some bare spots, the best thing to use for grass seed is an annual uh, mix, uh, an annual uh, ryegrass mix. Pre sixty five degrees. Pre sixty five degrees. So earlier in the season. Yeah. As long as as long as you can 
make contact with the soil and the soil's not frozen. <laughs> right. Okay. Right. Uh, there's a lot of mixes out there. Uh, Jonathan Green has a what? Quick Green, is it called? Uh, fast Grow. Fast Grow. Yeah. Actually, it's one I always caution people on. I think I've mentioned it on here before. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's an annual rye, 63.8%. It does have some perennial in there. But... Some perennial, like 40% perennial or just under. But it grows fast. Yep. And it's green quick. But it's not coming back next year. That's correct. Because that's an back. annual. That's what the annuals are all about. Right. However, by the time that thing is ready to die out, you're going to hopefully come back and overseed with the good stuff in right. August, for right. example. Yeah. And and to your point, right? Like, so you put that down there. And wherever that plant is, if there's a grass seed plant there or a grass plant, a crabgrass plant or some other weed plant, it's not going to grow. It's going to think twice. Yep. It's going to think twice right before it comes on its turf right so it's a weed preventer you're basically putting out a weed preventer that looks great and you can actually see some get yep. some benefit out of it and then come the fall time that's when you want to put down most of your grass seed now we should preface that right because you, you hit this window of you're hitting 65 degrees in the soil let's say early may you can put down grass seed there and be very very successful putting down grass seed then and have it established going into the droughts of july and august so i'd probably say we're probably 50-50. I'd say 50% of our grass seed is is sold and put down in the spring, another 50% in the fall. Um, mm-hmm. And you can do both. Well, just let you know that I already put down my annual uh, rye seed mm-hmm. uh, about a week ago before a rain, so I didn't have to water it or anything like that. Well, there you go. Yeah. Use yeah, Mother Nature, right? We and the then the chickens came the along and probably ate up half of it. Oh, there's chickens. I know. At least they give you eggs. Free range. <laughs> <laughs> cool so yeah so if uh i think putting down the annual i think that's a especially if someone who wants a more natural approach to weed prevention definitely uh use those annuals in the spring annual seed in the spring and or if if you have a wedding coming up memorial day weekend on your lawn or property or a party great thing to put out there fast grow quick green think of the compliments you'll get on the fourth of july picnic in your backyard why john what a lovely lawn what do you do well, then you can make up your story. But. Yeah. You just got to get that seed down in the fall so, so it's there next year, too. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or else they like, oh, John, what happened? Uh, that's cool. true. Yeah. So anyway, uh, liming is a, is a good thing to do. Uh, oh, the best thing. This, this time of year. And we yep. have the, the quick-acting limes, which are a little more expensive. Yep. Or you can go with the standard dolomite uh, limes, which are... Uh, you know, you almost have to put those on well in advance because they're very slow to... Uh, Four months to adjust the pH. Yeah. 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 So yeah. you're going to be well into summertime uh, before it does anything. Yeah. So you want a fast-acting lime. There's Jonathan Green's Magic Cow, Agway fast-acting lime, and they're going to work uh, anywhere it, between about two... a month? Uh, Magic Cow is two weeks. Really? Yeah. That's that, great. Yeah, that's like uh, the Corvette of lime. But uh, Agway Fasting Lime is three to four weeks. Anyway, that gets the pH going. So when you put down fertilizer, mm-hmm. it's going to make that fertilizer more efficient. Exactly. Yeah, because what happens is you get too much hydrogen in the soil, yeah. and it bonds with the fertilizer you put down, and the plant can absorb it in that form. So you put down the calcium, bonds with the hydrogen, takes it out of the soil, gets that pH back to neutral, right, and then... You know, you're not wasting any money on that fertilizer. And very close to neutral is where we want to be. Slightly acidic, 6.5 to 7. Right. And yes. But any, but if you get down to 6 from 6.5. It doesn't take much. Yeah. You'll lose 20% of your fertilizer. Yeah. Yeah. Or up to. 
Yeah. A peat, remember, a peat bog is, uh, bacteria stop growing at pH 5. Peat bog is pH 3, and your stomach acid is like pH 1 or 2. Hmm. 2, I think. Concentrated hydrochloric acid is 1. So, it, I mean, it's something to measure, and you should measure it. So, if you're at 7 or 6.5, you don't put down the lime. Right. You know? Right. I mean, we'd love you to buy it, but if you don't need it, let's not waste our money. Right, right. And that, actually, that's the goal, right? You want to get to a point where what you're putting down is effective and it's efficient. Exactly. And that's successful, right? Yeah. That's success right there. So, you know, let's go by putting down the seed. If you're going to put down seed, you, that you need to make sure that seed gets to the soil. So that's when you want to rake, and then you put down that seed to make sure when you spread it, it's going down. The bags will have two rates on them. They'll have the overseeding rate, which will, usually it'll stay on the bag. You know, this bag does up to 18,000 square feet or something to that effect. Usually that's the overseeding rate. It's advertising. So when you're overseeding, you can cover the 18,000 square mm-hmm. feet. But if it's a new lawn, raw dirt, you, you basically double the application, like per pounds per thousand yeah. square feet or whatever. And that means you're covering half as much. So mm-hmm. at 18,000 square feet coverage, you'd only be covering nine if it was a brand new lawn because you want you need to get that density to the plant right so you know depending if you got like a a lawn that's thin maybe you put it down you know somewhere in between the the new and the new seating uh um rate but as long as you don't go below that nine thousand uh square foot rate Mm -hmm. um you know you're not at risk of like overseeding right and that's important as we learned from the previous podcast more is not better Right. Use the rate that's recommended. Uh, otherwise, uh, it, it can deter the, the growth of that healthy lawn. Right. And we're, when we're back to our, our common lesson we learned about moderation, which is the hardest thing. I know it. The hardest thing. I know it. Right. Um, and also, uh, you know, especially if it's real thin, you may want to put on some straw or uh, chopped straw. I love, uh, what is it? Mulch Master. Uh, Mulch Master. Yeah. Oh, that's great. That's great. Easy to use. You can. It's in a bag that you can handle. It's it's it's, it's a wonderful product. Yeah. My kind of rule of thumb is if it's anything bigger than, I don't know, the size of your foot, you know, any bare spot bigger than the size of your foot, put, sprinkle some of the sh- uh, straw in there, the shredded straw, and then it's going to keep the moisture. It's going to protect the seed, protect that investment. You know, a bale can cover up to 800 square feet. And it's like fourteen ninety nine. It's it's really efficient. I've saved mine for. I think I've had like the same bale in my shed for two and a half years now, and I just go out there and when I have to do redo an area, mm-hmm. I use it out there, sprinkle it. And the reason you want the shredded straw is that straw decomposes from the inside out, mm-hmm. and when it's cut up and shredded, it's going to decompose faster, and you don't have to go rake your you know your newly That's seeded right. area. And when you know, those plants are a little tender, yeah. it's going to chop up the small pieces and be used as fertilizer. Right, and it's going to break down um, a lot faster. Otherwise, you put down. We do have the regular straw, but if you put that down, you do have to rake yeah. that up because the stocks are just so big; it's not going to break down anytime soon. Yeah, it's not worth it. And you know. it's also a good marker so that you can check it out from time to time to see how the new grass is growing. Yeah, and it acts like a mulch keeps the moisture there. Yeah, it, it really great, and it's clean. You want straw, not hay. That's correct. Hay is, why is that? Hay has the weed seeds in it. That's right. We yeah. don't want hay, to add weed seeds. Hay is for horses. Better for cows. Better for cows. <laughs> Marry a farmer and get all three. Yes. Um, and then you know, there was, with plants, you know, putting down fertilizer later, 
you know, as we talked, that's the recommended procedure. However, I would put down a starter fertilizer when you put down the seed. And the only reason is in order to spread the fertilizer in our larger areas, we do have to walk over the seed. And it is, it's actually a good practice to walk on the seed when it's first put down. It's all about getting that seed to the soil. Right. So it has to have the contact with the soil. Right. So you're going to help it by walking over it as you're spreading that fertilizer. And a starter fertilizer, the goal is you're getting phosphorus in there to help develop that root system and make a strong, hardy plant so it can handle those droughts and tough winters. Mm-hmm. But when you put it down in the grasses, you know, if you were to put it down when the grass is like two weeks old or three weeks old and it's still a little tender, you don't want to be walking on it then. So you put down a slow-release starter fertilizer, uh, but put it down right at the same time, and you'll actually do yourself some benefits. And phosphorus helps with root growth. That's where it's after, the roots. Right. Yeah. Yep, because it's the... Uh, nitrogen is the leaves. Right, so the, fer- the three numbers in any fertilizer bag, right. nitrogen in, on the left, phosphorus in the middle, and then potassium is the third number, and it's up, down, all around. So nitrogen is... Up for the the greening and there the top growth, yeah, right. And then uh, down for the phosphorus. Uh, that's you know helps develop the root system. Yeah. And then all around, you know, the potassium is kind of like this is probably not scientifically accurate, but I just say it's the vitamin C for the plant. It's like essentially, yeah, the all around like yeah. uh, health benefits, overall of the plant. health benefits. Yeah, it prevents disease. So that's why your your fall fertilizers will be higher in the potassium. Yeah. Yep. So. Can we talk about clover? This is also a good time to put your clover. Great time to put down clover. And I do this every year. And I I think clover seeds gotten cheaper over the years, to tell you the truth. It could. But it's amazing how like a three-pound bag (gasps) covers like 15,000 square feet. Yeah, you and your neighbor could share a bag. And it's not that big. You know, don't don't be scared. And it's pelletized to boot because the clover seed is so small. Yeah. You couldn't handle it. Yeah. But uh, you know, I spread the the clover when I spread the uh, the, the grass seed, uh, like I was feeding the chickens. Just broadcast it with your hand. Yeah, and and I concentrated on spots where the soil is more compact, where I usually walk over or drive over the lawn. Yes, I drive over the lawn to get to certain places, or in this poor condition, poor section over my septic system. And clover has just this great benefit. It stays green. It grows where the grass somehow doesn't. Uh, it floats around, too. It, it, it recedes itself. Yeah. And then it produces fertilizer, nitrogen fertilizer for your lawn. It does. It takes nitrogen out of the air. Out of the air. And turns it into an organic Well, the bacteria form. growing on the, the little nodules on the roots do. But right, right. Yeah. And makes into an organically available nitrogen for your grass plants absolutely wonderful and then you're saving money i never fertilize sorry about that terry i it's all right i don't fertilize whatever makes you successful and however you want to be successful we're fine with that we're just here you know we're that type of people that that's kind of people we are (laughs) so i mean the only other thing that we run into and i just caution everybody i really make a decision this spring are you gonna prevent the weeds and treat the weeds in the spring in your lawn, or you're going to put down grass seed or, or clover seed, or whatever it may be. There, there is one product we sell. It's a weed preventer plus new seeding. Um, it either has uh, tupper sand in it or tenacity, and both of those. They're sort of like growth inhibitors um, that grass are able to process and not be harmed by. Our mm-hmm. our 
our our turf seeds with a you know a rye grass Kentucky bluegrass or turf type tall fescue, mm-hmm. they can handle these ingredients and not be harmed by them. Where crabgrass cannot and other weeds cannot, those are available. They are a little bit more expensive than your regular weed preventer. So a lot of, a lot of people decide they'll just do. I'm getting grass seed down. I'm filling in the lawn this spring, in the fall go back through patch through patch up the areas maybe didn't come in so great or mm-hmm. um, you know a new area and then. The long-term cycle we're working towards is treat your weeds, prevent your weeds in the spring, and then in the fall you make it so that there's no weeds for the, no room for those weeds to come up the following spring by putting down that grass seed. Sounds simple enough. Yeah, yeah. Because you know I did look up uh, and get some rates of like all of the weed preventers and weed the herbicides. You know after you put down a crabgrass preventer, you have to wait 12 weeks before you can put down a grass seed and safely you know plant it without you know, losing some of that grass seed to mm-hmm. the the crabgrass preventer. And then even after you put down something that's meant for a dandelion and won't harm your established grass, you do have to wait four weeks after you put that down to put down a broadleaf weed herbicide. I see. And it even says to wait, you know, that if you have new grass seed down, you should mow that grass at least three times. So it's it, it's that established before it can handle, you know, those herbicides. Mm. So... You know, just be aware of that, and and you know we don't want you to lose all that hard work you've done. Right. Cool. Very good. Well, I think this is a great start and get us thinking about you know what our placement in the yard is and looking at what uh, what stocks available in the garden center and you know look forward to a successful spring. And how I am, you know, every that's the wonderful thing about gardening. Every spring brings new hope. That the same thing, the same good things that happened last year will happen again, and the that everything will look like the seed catalog when it when it finally grows out. Right. And sometimes it does, and sometimes it doesn't. And that's that's the excitement of the whole thing. Yeah. Well, well, I think I have a good feeling. Twenty nineteen is going to be a good year. Okay, Terry. Yeah. No, there's no volcanoes. We should be all right. No, not that I know of. No. However, there is uh, a train that just went by or something. I don't know what. That yeah, was. that. So we probably just lost those last two minutes of talking. But <laughs> oh well. So until next time. Okay. Thank you all for listening. For notes from this episode, visit the podcast section of our website at mackeysgrows.com. Also, we'd love to hear your topic ideas or questions, so drop us a line through our website's contact page. If you found the information in this podcast useful or simply just enjoyed our chat, we'd truly appreciate it if you could leave a rating and review on your preferred listening app. It helps share our show with others and lets us know to keep working hard. Thanks again, and remember, where that is and what you love, that's home. Mackeys where the home grows.